Welcome to Trustworthy AI, De-Risk Business Adoption of AI, hosted by Pamela Gupta, a leading voice in business strategy, technology, and cybersecurity. With extensive experience in global industry leadership, Pamela has explored critical themes like achieving business value with AI by adopting a holistic risk-based approach to AI trust. She defined eight essential pillars of trustworthy AI. Read more details at the trustedai.ai website. Her insights have shaped the way we look at the impact of cyber warfare on business, strategies for efficient digital transformation, and governance views on algorithmic failures. Join Pamela as she delves into her signature framework, AI Tips, standing for Artificial Intelligence Transparency, Integrity, Privacy, and Security. This podcast is all about operationalizing governance and building trustworthy AI systems from the ground up. Whether you're an industry professional or just AI curious, Trustworthy AI offers thought-provoking discussions and expert insights to guide the ethical future of technology. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Pamela Gupta. I'm CEO of Trusted AI. And today's conversation, we're talking about how to remove risk or mitigate risk in business adoption of AI using trustworthy AI, using privacy. So how can we use privacy, in other words, to simplify our trustworthy AI and actually use that in um, in de-risking as well as streamlining business adoption of AI. So why why is that? And what is the re- relevance and significance? Typically in an organization, Petruta, um, uh, you know, I'm going to introduce my guest, Petruta, as we have seen, um, organizations tend to bolt on privacy, security, resilience factors after they have created initiatives or gone and, um, you know, taken a look at business value and how they're going to deliver on business value. But I'm very um, uh, strongly of the opinion and based on practical experience, because I've been a uh, leading, you know, working with leading organizations for 25 years, creating risk-based programs, I'm of the opinion that we really can streamline that outcome as well as the process a lot more if we adopt the right foundation at the very outset just because AI systems are extremely complex and you really don't have the same kind of latitude or a bandwidth to go back and um, and you know tweak things it's uh, it's sometimes not even going to be possible so very excited to have Petruta Pirvan from EU. She's an ex-data uh, privacy officer at EU and um, leads her own firm. It's called uh, EU Digital Partners. Um, very excited to have you. Let me talk a little bit about your background, Petruta, and then I'm going to ask you to, uh, you know, a few questions. Uh, she's a lawyer and a fa- former DPO, as I mentioned, for EU and has been working for over a decade as either in-house or a outside external data privacy council for some of the largest companies in the world, such as Oracle, um, Accenture, um, a large, 
large shipping giant called Maersk and, uh, and others. So welcome to the show, Petruta. Very happy to have you here. Thank you so much for having me. First of all, uh, I am super happy to join you into um, uh, this conversation. Um, I think um, there are so many things to clarify. Um, and uh, I really love the fact that you align your vision and perspective with um, with the regulator's perspective. Because, um, uh, uh, you know, there is a preoccupation to uh, balance the need for um, growing a new technology, but balance that with um, the need to de-risk, as you say, to manage the risks that the new technology is posing, because we all know that it comes in a package with both benefits for the uh, individuals, for societies um, in general, but also with uh, risks that needs to be uh, taken care of uh, by all stakeholders in the market. So thank you so much for having me. Very happy to be with you today. Thank you. So, you know, one of the things that really uh, kind of struck out and uh, why I wanted to invite you as a speaker on privacy and the regulations is that you have been advising on matters of data privacy, et cetera, but especially with the emphasis on automated algorithmic decision-making, right? And the risk they pose to businesses and individuals alike, just like you mentioned. So I think you uh, bring a very uh, good perspective and I'd like to start off with the question, um, speaking of EU and regulations, with the EU AI Act. So do you see the EU AI Act actually helping manage risks that um, can help strengthen the rules around AI use by businesses or organizations? Yes, that, that's a uh, that's a great question. Um, so the way uh, the AI app is being um, has been drafted in fact is like um, you know and you can compare it with a safety framework uh, and it's constructed around risk categories um, and uh, so um, if you look into the text itself the legislator comes up with um, you know uh, the first regime or three different regimes the first regime legal regime is to cover those AI systems that will not make it on the market, so they uh, have or they raise unacceptable risks. Um, and then we have a second legal regime, which is built up for those, the legislators say, high-risk um, high AI systems. They pose risks to health, to safety, to fundamental rights of individuals. And then we have uh, another regime, the last one, which is basically um, those AI systems posing minimal risks to the um, individuals, to societies. Um, and, uh, you know, the idea or the focus is really on to how to regulate the high-risk AI systems. Um, and um, coming back to your question, um, so the regulation itself is, is constructed around um, companies or organizations having to uh, comply with specific obligations like conducting all sorts of assessments um, to be able actually to prove the, um, uh, the technology on the market. Um, and those, um, you know, compliance obligations are 
uh, around, um, you know, validation, training, testing, data sets. Um, and um, there is um, a lot, uh, you know, where some, some of the principles in the regulation do overlap, where, you know, um, uh, drives insight from the GDPR, what we've learned from the GDPR. Um, so, for example, uh, reliability of the data sets, which reminds us of the principle of um, accuracy of the data. So data set must, must be reliable. Yeah, so which is why the the regulation, the AI regulation in in the EU imposes um, obligations such as training of uh, of the algorithms, validation of the of the algorithms, testing of the data sets, um, and all of these are basically part of a, a data governance governance of management practices. Um, and you know, coming back also to what you said before, design choices. Um, which is a very important aspect alongside with labeling the data, uh, cleaning the data, enriching the data, and, and so on. Um, so all of that is um, is part of the regulation. So basically it's a graduated risk management to help um, to help companies to help organizations to meet their obligations, um, and um, you know I um, also would like to because you um, specified or you um, you know you 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 specified about the GDPR and the data uh, protection regulation. Uh, which specifically, um, you know, contains um, a provisions about profiling automated individual decision making. So we have, uh, you know, a lot of knowledge that we gain through dealing with uh, the incipient forms of AI, if you want to call it that way. Um, um, okay. Yeah, so um, which, um, you know, have been um, used um, in, in profiling individuals. Okay, that's that's um, in terms of surveillance and um, you know using that for <clears throat> law uh, law uh, re you know legal or law agencies, for example. Right. Absolutely, okay. and also employment. You know, many employees are using all sorts or they used to use and they are still using um, you know all sort of technology for um, increasing their productivity. Uh, Right, and I, I'm pretty sure we will discuss these aspects, like you know, biometrics or surveillance through through biometrics uh, in different scenarios and for different reasons. Yes, I do want to talk about biometrics and as it relates to privacy in terms of a law in USA. Um, but before we go there, really quickly, when we're talking about GDPR and the you know, um, I was mentioning surveillance, but you know, as you rightfully pointed out. It is also workplace uh, monitoring and surveillance. So it's not just at the state level. Mm -hmm. um, does that, for the longest time, you know, things such as electronic mail, email, has been under the purview of uh, companies so that they can monitor that. Mm -hmm. uh, do you feel that something <laughs> like, um, you know, biometrics would fall under a consent you know yeah or is it you know something that employers um automatically have the right mm -hmm. to monitor and use biometric data does it come under the same kind of purview as emails now 
uh, that, that's a that's a great question and um it's uh you know um i've been working um as a dpo in a former company and um i have to say that um you know uh, privacy in workplace and um uh, the challenges that the ai will pose to the workplace um matters um regarding privacy um it's going to amplify basically they are they are going to grow uh, in complexity it's already a very complex area of law um and um this so this this uh, you know new new technology basically um is bringing a lot of benefits efficiency into the workplace uh, but it's not without legal risks. And we have some use cases in the EU with fines that have been applied by the data protection regulators for, you know, violations of the GDPR related to companies using um, all sort, sort of algorithms that would make by themselves decisions against employee. One of the very famous case was when uh, the Italian Data Protection Authority, Garante, um, applied mm -hmm. a huge fine actually in 2021 to Global uh, because, um, you know, um, so the, the, the regulator uh, found out uh, a bunch of privacy violations regarding the algorithms that Glovo used okay. use for management of its employees. Um, so, and the regulated regulator pointed out that um, uh, you know the controller, the data controller, did not inform the workers on the functioning of the system, did not guarantee the accuracy of the data, the correctness of the result of the algorithm algorithmic systems uh, used for the evaluations of um, of employees and um, also has failed to uh, kind of quarantine procedures to protect the rights to obtain human intervention speaking about you know um, uh, human oversight in AI and so on and so forth so we already have some use cases in in the EU and the matters are not less complex in the US and you know, as uh, those who are listening to us, um, they would have to watch out for specific state uh, laws, biometric state laws in the U.S. Yes, that's uh, uh, really something I want to drill into a little bit. In terms of the, in your understanding, companies usually have around privacy and employee, whether it's employee data or customer data or, or citizen data, is, is that if there is consent, mm -hmm. then okay. who are already giving, you know, them permission to use the data. Mm -hmm. But how, as you just pointed out, and I just want to kind of highlight that a little bit, is where the risks come in with um, artificial intelligence systems mm -hmm. is that how it can actually take those data points and use it and make, you know, you'll be either be used for decision making or exactly. or for right as well as so it can be a technical te uh, you know a technological issue mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. how it's piecing it together or what it's piecing together and it can also be how it's implemented so companies really need to be aware of both points where is which is the technology they are adopting how is that actually um, piecing things together, how is it working on the, you know, some of the inside. And that goes back to one of the trustworthy pillars, uh, essential 
trustworthy pillars that we have defined at Trusted AI and help companies in identifying where, what can be of issue to a particular use case, as you said. And transparency and explainability are two of those pillars, part of those two, um, you know, the eight that I mentioned. So to kind of encapsulate that then, the the uh, biometric usage in facial recognition or any other kind of biometric data, not just a facial recognition, can become a risk for a company or organization from two angles. One is how it's being driving, how it's being built in the model, what is the algorithm that can be of um, can be a problematic if it's not monitored or if it's not evaluated for, you know, is it aligned with business objectives and, you know, the risk uh, appetite. And the other is for the business implementation angle, which is how are you using this? <laughs> and is it is it um, deviating from the, um, the intended usage? And we also have a process in place to show what, is it being used for, which goes to another essential pillar, but I won't go into that. Um, Petruta, thank you very much uh, for that, giving that uh, example and that uh, uh, precedent in, from Italy. Um, moving to a regulatory body in the U.S. that does have some, um, you know, teeth, as we call it, which has the ability to impose fines in the U.S., mm-hmm. um, and that's the Federal Trade Commission, the FTC. Um, the question I have for you is, do you think, uh, and what is your opinion on, can the FTC deal with challenges uh, presented by the use of um, algorithms or AI systems mm-hmm. in business decision-making about customers mm-hmm. or, uh, mm-hmm. you know, consumers? Um, absolutely. And this is another great point. Uh, FTC is one of the most active regulator in the U.S. Uh, and uh, although, um, you know, um, it, it basically relies on a, a piece of legislation which was adopted quite a while ago, um, that uh, the interpretation of the Section 5 of the FTC Act is evolving. And FTC, um, you know, following the path of being proactive, a, a proactive regulator basically um, has issued a number of uh, communications, uh, blog posts, guidelines basically um, that is given to organizations to, um, you know, um, give them a sense of what they have to do um, in the, you know, wake of of, um, of companies basically using AI quite, quite in a pervasive um you know way lately so and then you know ftc actually in some of these communications um has pointed in the direction of uh, existing uh legislation federal legislation that can be leveraged to uh impose sanctions on companies that would not um follow rules or would uh, not implement um the technology um with um as you say de-risking mentality or de-risking mode of thinking and ftc said well you know there is a fair credit reporting app this is a um uh, this is a um legislation a federal legislation which has been enacted back 
back in 70s and also a equal um, credit opportunity act coming also from the 70s and both of these pieces of legislation do contain um, um, stipulations about automated decision making um, so um, financial services companies basically have been applying these laws to machine-based credit uh, underwriting modules for quite a while for decades um, in fact so and and beside you know these um, uh, laws we also have um, as I mentioned the FTC Act authority to prohibit unfair and deceptive practices to basically look into or address consumer injury arising from the use of AI uh, or the use of automated decision making. Um, so basically what the FTC communicated to the organizations is like you said, you know, be transparent, don't deceive customers about the fact that you are using an automated tool. So do tell them about this. Um, be transparent also if you are collecting sensitive data about them. Um, also, um, you know, if you are, you know, um, or if you are making automated decisions based on information that you have uh, purchased from a third party vendor, um, you know, um, uh, you know, uh, be transparent about that, but also look into some of the requirements of the existing law, like you know, you, you might have, we might need to give some notices like adverse action notices when you use those systems to make decisions against people, decisions that would have repercussions, would have legal effects on, on individuals. So we have FTC is doing um, its job, is there supporting organizations with um, a lot of guidelines. That's that's really good information. Thank you. And it's a great point as well that these are leveraging. They're, they're taking a look at some of the existing regulations they already have. So this is not anything new. This should not, should not take business leaders by or organizations by surprise. Um, so they are, you know, navigating the same waters. They just have to be cognizant of how does it impact the the newer uh, embracing newer technology, which can take that data and then um, uh, you know use it and portray it in different light that can become a risk. Yes, right. exactly. To adapt, you know. So basically, there is nothing that is completely new. There are some tools that we have. Like, you know, uh, in the EU, we have the data protection impact assessment that, you know, we kind of gathered consistent literature um, and also experience on how to do that. We have guidelines, uh, a lot of guidelines uh, to help us navigate through that. So why not take that and adopt it to um, uh, what the regulator calls now the um, uh, human rights impact assessments because the AI Act in the EU comes in a package with the obligation to conduct human rights impact assessments. So we can take that, we can take the DPIA, um, you know, integrate the uh, uh, human rights impact assessment into the DPIA uh, so that we can, you know, leverage what we have learned um, up until now. And it's the same with FTC. We have the FTC Act, um, you know, um, which um, the FTC Commission is using using um, in different cases. We have so much, um, uh, you know, work cases um, coming from FTC. So 
I think we can look into that and anticipate what is required uh, from from us when we build AI, where when we are using AI, we are purchasing right. as organization AI systems to help us into whatever for whatever reasons, maybe for uh, productivity of our workers or or other scenarios for marketing um, when we market our products to consumers. Right, that's that's really excellent. Um, Petruda, I know we wanted to talk a few, about a few more things, such as the biometric law coming out of Illinois and uh, the U.S. Um, and I think what I like to do is um, we like to keep this short. Uh, I like to keep the sessions short so they are more uh, easily like bite-sized chunks for digestion. So um, I'd love to schedule a follow-up session with you and um, I'll reach out to you on that. But thank you so much for joining us. And um, and really bringing uh, really, really good insights into what is a part of the regulatory and the privacy uh, side of those trusted elements of trustworthy AI, which can, like we said in the beginning, help the business de-risk their adoption of AI, which is really uh, on everybody's mind right now. Great. Thank you so Thank much. You. Thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure to discuss with you and I hope that the information is useful to to your listener. Yes, it was amazing talking to you and I'm looking forward to our next session. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you.